fired by this kind of a, an imagination or aspiration, then what do you find in him? The whole being is totally dedicated to that. You go to his bedroom, you know. If he is a fan of a tennis player, then 1500, you know, all kinds of posters of his favorite tennis player. And his mind, and not only he practices tennis, of course, mat karma parama, whatever he does, he practices a lot of tennis. But not only he practices tennis as such, but whatever else he does also he is just keeping in mind the tennis. He works out, let us say. He does sit-ups, sit-ups and push-ups and weightlifting, whatever he does. He does variety of actions, one thing in mind, tennis, tennis, tennis. He eats, well, he balances his diet, he must have so many vitamins and proteins and whatever he must have had, tennis. Carbohydrate, I don't know whatever they eat in Bedouin, but anything that he eats, and whatever he does not eat, all of that has only one objective, tennis. He's emotionally involved in that, he's, you know, and they're emotionally involved. And his sankal because all the imaginations that he does, he imagines himself as playing tennis in a certain way, or he has a favorite tennis player and he imagines his mind, or sees in his mind how that fellow plays, how he will play. All sankalpa vikalpa, all the kalpanas, all the imaginations that he has, also centered around that. And he wants to know how to play tennis, what sort of life tennis player has, intellectually also. So, how does it work? What kind of, I don't know what they do, what kind of rackets are there, what kind of balls are there, how the op- opponents work, you know. And all these, what are the strategies? All of these also is something that he has to understand. So his understanding also must be there. His mind, all imaginations also must be there. His emotions also must be there. His actions also must be there. The whole of him must be there. Is it not so? He is a bhakta of tennis. This is a devotion. And who doesn't have it? In some measure, well, whatever we are is because of the devotion that we had, really. And if you are not a great achiever, maybe you didn't have that great devotion, perhaps. Because if I really wanted something very badly, I'm sure that I'll be able to motivate myself and invoke from myself all the potential that I have. This fellow wants to become a doctor, that's all. He only thinks of doctor and doctor and doctor, you know, right from childhood. He must have this kind of scores and he must go to this particular school and he must study so many hours and there again he must appear for this test and then he must go to this medical school and everything that he does and then for him to study, whatever he requires to do, whether he must cut down his television, whether he must participate in here, extracurricular activities, every, all the planning that he does is all centered around that. Is it not so? Even if you just want to make a trip, let's say to Bahamas or some place, for, for maybe a month or so, you become bhaktas. <laughs> so planning. And imagine how Bahamas are I, I study, you know. I learn what is it. So I want to know what, what is there. This is a wrong example I am giving because I, I, I have not gone to Bahamas. I can give you the example. I should have given the example of Badrinath or Gangotri or something like that. <laughs> then you will want to know Ramarnath, you know. So your intellect. So how to reach there? What, what is the history about it? What's the story? Why is it so important? That I want to know. And how do, what kind of clothes you require? What kind of preparations you must have? What kind of fitness you must have? What kind of shots you must take? Whatever. All of this information. And I prepare myself to become fit for the Yatra. And whatever it takes. And so, I, when I want it badly, 
I find, I, whatever I do, this is what Lord Krishna says. That's what he's telling us. And that's what he says, you do for me. That's all. When he becomes that important to us, of course we'll do. Or, or whatever importance he has in our life, to that extent we are the bhakta, to that extent we'll have the investment. He wants total investment. He doesn't want any other, as we say, he wants no other competition. He wants total investment. Emotional investment in me, your intellectual investment in me, all your actions also dedicated to me. I must be the center of everything in your life. <coughs> so, and how to cultivate that is alright. If you are not able to, uh, if it's not possible for you to fix your mind and intellect, both of them on me, doesn't matter. Abhyasa yogena tadaha mamichhaptum dhananjaya. Practice. It is the nature of the mind that it learns by practice. And therefore, keep on asking, ask your mind to keep on doing this. Keep on remembering me, keep on thinking of me, again and again and again and again. In course of time, the mind will find its focus. It will be centered effortlessly. So, uttama sahajavastha dvitiya dhyana dharana krutiya pratima puja homayatra chaturthika Uttama sahajavastha There is sahajavastha. There is an abidance, effortless abidance. That is the best. That's the Lord Krishna has effortless abidance in me. Nivasishyasimayeva, you will effortlessly abide in me. Uttamavastha. So effortlessness is the highest state. Dhitiya, dhyanadharana. And then, if I cannot abide effortlessly, I make an effort to abide. That's called dhyana. Dharana means concentration and dhyana means meditation. So by concentration and meditation, ultimately I gain that abidance. So, dvitiya, dhyana, dharana. If I cannot do that dhyana and dharana, which are purely mental processes, which also require, as we said, a lot of preparation of the mind. If I cannot do that, trutiya, pratima, puja. Third is pratima, puja. Mean worship of Lord in, a, in, in an image, as we discussed in the morning. So, madartham, abhyase, pisamarthosi, mat karma paramo bhava. If abhyasa, dhyana dharana you are not able to do, mat karma parama bhava. All right, be, dedicate yourself to doing all actions for me. <coughs> Shravanam, kirtanam, vishnaho, smaranam, padasevanam, archanam, vandanam, dasyam, sakyam, atmanivedanam. See, navadha bhakti they talk about. The ninefold expression of bhakti or devotion. Shravanam, listen to the glories of the Lord. Kirtanam, sing his glories. So, listen to his glories when you find a teacher or when you find someone who can sing to you, who can... So, listen to his glories. Katha, Shravanam. And then when you find somebody who is desirous of listening, Kirtanam, you sing to him. When you don't have somebody who can talk to you or nobody who can listen to you, Smaranam, you remember in your own mind. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam. Padasevanam, worshipping the feet of the Lord. Archanam, worshipping with flowers. Vandanam, salutation. Dasyam, being his servant. Sakyam, being his friend. Atmanivedanam, total, totally offering myself to him. So the Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam, all of these are also karma. 
listening to the glories of the Lord, singing His glories, remembering Him, all of these are also karma. And also archana, performing the worship. So mother samabhi, so mat karma paramo bhava, so may you dedicate yourself to performing acts of worship to me. And when Lord Krishna says mat karma paramo bhava, he means this kind of actions. Because it is difficult to remember God while doing our day-to-day chores. Ultimately that's what we want. We want that whatever actions we perform are performed for the sake of Lord. But we begin with this. So Swami Dhananji nicely says, uh, a part-time bhakta, a part-time devotee should be slowly converted to a full-time devotee. Today my devotion is in spurts. In the morning I am a devotee, in the evening I am a devotee. Slowly and slowly we get converted to full-time devotees. But it starts part-time. And, so, and therefore, if you find that it is difficult to remember God while doing your day-to-day chores because Swamiji pressures are so much and my mind just gets distracted and there is so much that it's difficult to remember God at that time. All right, then perform specific actions. Like we said, puja, etc., worship for, this form of worship, wherein there is no distraction. Wherein definitely all my thoughts are centered around God because right, right in front of me. I bathe him and I make various offerings and therefore the actions are many but the focus of every action is God. <coughs> and the purpose of doing that is slowly and slowly the focus of other actions also can become God as Swamiji would say that he comes out of his small puja room and enters the world which is vast puja room. So slowly this is this is idea. So whenever this practice are recommended to us, it's not that we can get confined to that practice, but then slowly it will, you know, the scope will increase. And thus, mat karma paramoha, when I remember God while performing actions, then in the mind remembrance takes place. Tasmat sarveshu kaleshu mamanusmara yudhyacha. Here, you know, perform your duties or at all the times remembering me. So every duty becomes a reminder. Every karma becomes a reminder. Just as every bead in the rosary becomes a reminder, Om Namah Shivaya, or whatever it is that I am repeating in my mind, similarly also, every karma that I perform may become a reminder. So the, the remembering of God goes on. Some kind of abhyasa goes on inside. And slowly, then I will be able to remember God without the karma. I won't. So karma or action becomes an aid, becomes an occasion to remember Him. Just as a rosary bead becomes an aid to remember him. Then I can get sufficient uh, self-control or self-focus that I may not need that aid. So it's always like that in the beginning we need a certain aid, later on we don't need that. So in the beginning you write your multiplication tables. If you don't get your lunch until you write all tables from 1 to 40 and quarters and half and three quarters and all kinds of things we used to memorize, you know. But, but then my mother would insist, we have to show her. But not that then she would demand after I go, if I go to home for vacation from college, she's not going to ask me to do that. Because now I have grown out of the need of that because I have memorized them. <clears throat> Similarly also, this, this karma, remembering God, where karma or action becomes an aid, 
that also doesn't be necessary i will do abhyasa that practice also deliberate practice also may not be necessary my mind naturally abides in him so this is the sequence that lord krishna is teaching and then 11th verse which we also read athaita dapya shaktosi kartum madyogamashitah sarva karma pratyagam tatah kuru yatatmavan asa etadapi kartum ashaktah asi then another paksha so uh, if you cannot do this as i said if you have a one and a quarter pound of uh, wheat flour fine you don't have that rice flour don't have one and a quarter pound doesn't matter three quarters of a pound quarter pound is scaled down isko anukalpa technical in technical language isko anukalpa when they give you different vikalpas different choices They're all right uh, make an offering of five rupees five why don't have five rupees all right five yards of clothes why don't have that even all right five pounds of wheat something like that so slowly we get down you know we scale down so lord krishna scales down his demand or his requirements as edapi kartum ashaktah asi here you know you find that it is difficult to perform actions for the lord swami when am i going to do that i have a lot of responsibilities lot of duties i don't have time to perform actions for god i am too busy performing actions for myself i have so many duties to perform lord krishna has allowed let me have some place in your life some place then sarva karma phalatyagam tatah kuru all right at least give me karma phala you are not giving karma to me first way give me the whole of yourself sorry sir all right give me mind i can't do that also give me your actions there also i cannot do all right give me the karma phala result of the action that much you know so this is a minimum lord krishna comes up to this point he can further also say that at least give me your give me your dharma and follow dharma and so forth but this is the topic of bhakti not topic of dharma so up to this point bhakti means devotion that is sarva karma phalatyagam the karma phalatyaga may you offer the results of all the actions to me <clears throat> what is meant by offering result to the lord well one explanation that we have is prasad buddhi that i perform an action with a certain objective in mind understand that whenever an action is action is performed there is certain objective in mind so without keeping an objective in mind you cannot perform an action and so perform an action with whatever objective in mind it is and then the outcome the result comes how do you treat the result usually when the result is in keeping with my expectation i call it success when the result is not in keeping with my expectation i call it a failure not only do i stop there not only do i call the result a success or failure but i go a step further i call myself a success and failure this is called identifying with the karma phala so don't identify with karma phala that's all that means be objective as far as the karma phala the result of the action is concerned and therefore lord krishna says do not judge yourself as success or failure and he says better do not judge even the result as success and failure there is correction and the result 
that is all the result is always right. What do you mean, Lord? This is miserable, I work so hard and this is what I get, the result? It is right. So accept it as the prasada, as the grace of God. This must be right because he is the one who is karma faladata. He is the one who dispenses of the result. So we say that Lord is the creator, sustainer, dissolver. Also, he is the ordainer. He is the form of the law and law of cause and effect. So when I perform a karma which is cause, it produces a result, which is the effect. And effect must always be in keeping with the cause. That trust, trust in the justice of the thing, that's all it is. Trust in the justice. Lord Krishna's Lord says, give me that much credit that I am just. <laughs> give me that much benefit of doubt that there is justice in me. <clears throat> because how do you evaluate your result? Result can come in many forms. We always judge the result in terms of some material, tangible, uh, tangible uh, or quantifiable thing, such as money or some promotion. In that way, generally speaking, we evaluate the result and then call it success or failure. In short, in order for us to judge the result, we always have a tangible criterion. But Lord Krishna says the result can come in many ways. Me, as a result, in spite of working so hard and working so honestly and so diligently, still I am not a wealthy person. I am Swamiji, even lower middle class person. But perhaps the fellow is healthy. Maybe he's, he and his wife's, wife get along well. Maybe his children are good. Something like that. Who knows? I mean, do we have value for these things? Otherwise, uh, it's possible that I'm a millionaire and I'm suffering from some disease and that takes away 100,000 rupees a year or something like that. Or my son is taking drugs or whatever it is, you know. Nothing right or wrong about drugs. I'm saying is, he, I may feel that perhaps in some other ways I have to suffer. So who knows? How do you evaluate the result? And therefore there are many ways in which the result comes to us. Understand that the tangible result that comes in the material sense is not the only result in our life. And therefore maybe God takes away from me in one way and gives me in some other way. And who knows that that I am that I am not getting what I want, not getting what I want. And God doesn't seem to listen to my prayers. Maybe He wants you to do something else. Maybe He wants me to learn something from it. And so, as far as Lord Krishna is concerned, or not Lord Krishna, as as far as our Vedas are concerned, human life is a spiritual journey, not a material journey. All of this is told to a person who has a commitment for spiritual growth. Who looks upon the life as a spiritual growth and therefore the matter is a means for spiritual growth and not the other way around. And therefore if I evaluate the result in terms of spiritual growth, I will never fail. So Lord Krishna says every result has two components, a material component and a spiritual component. A gross component and a subtle component. And therefore, even if according to you, the material component is not satisfactory, quite possible that the other, they will be compensated by other component. And so, this kind of trust in the goodness, trust in the justice, 
Trust in the order. This is also a surrender in this sense. All of these involve surrender to God, little by little. So this is also surrender to God. I perform actions for my sake. I perform actions in my agenda. But at least I surrender to Lord to the extent that I accept the results as just results. Without any resistance, without any complaints or without any frustration. I can accept them with a mind, with a composed mind. And so every action, every situation also, every situation is a karma phala. We don't even know as to what is the result of which action, by the way. It is difficult even to determine. Swamiji, I did this and I got that. But I may not know that what I got is necessarily a result of what I did here. There's another thing to note. You know, we must have told you this earlier, this, this example of these farmers who store their uh, grains after the harvest in a big, uh, what do you call it, the silo or a bin. In India you don't have big silos, but bins. Uh, dump it from the top and take it, you know, from the bottom. So let us say that this farmer had grew rice, you know, and he dumped it. Next season he grows wheat and dumps it. Then he grows corn and dumps it. So you see him dumping corn. And when he opens the bottom, he takes out rice. He says, wait a minute, this is not justice. You see him dumping corn, he's getting rice. Or you may see him dumping rice and find him getting corn. What is this? But then the rice comes because I had dumped it at some time. Corn will come when its time will come. <laughs> and therefore, we have problem not with ourselves, with other people's money. How can he get away? The problem is, lot of pain comes or hurt comes because I am an honest person Swami I work hard and see what I get and look at that fellow <laughs> he doesn't do anything or I know how he is and still see what he has so my problem is not what I got I did not do what he got you know <laughs> and therefore Lot of pain comes because I compare myself with others. But how do you know that what he is getting now is a result of what he is doing now? Me, what he is getting now is a result of what he has done in the past and what he is doing now, maybe he will have to pay for it. We don't want him to pay for it. Why? Let him be happy. Why should, it, why should you worry about him? Swami, he must pay for it. Why should you worry about that? <laughs> So that's our problem also. And you know what happens? Why this problem comes? Because when I'm an honest person, I'm a hard-working person, that honesty and hard work always involves a certain amount of self-denial, certain amount of deprivation. Honesty means I have to deprive myself of the benefits of dishonesty. It's very clear. <laughs> And hard work means that I will deprive myself of the benefits of taking it easy. And who doesn't want it? Who doesn't want to take it easy? Who wants to work 80, 12 hours a day, day in and day out? Who wants to do that? But I do it because I want to claim that I'm a hard-working person. And I'm honest. Either because I don't know how to be dishonest or whatever it is. I'm honest. I'm honest because, all right, that's what I'm told. And I, I feel that I'm here. 
maybe uh, my father or my teacher or my guru or somebody will not like it. I am honest. Let us have value for honesty. Even though I am honest outwardly, inwardly I feel that I am missing something, you know, because see, if I had just done this, I would have gotten that. So, every time I feel what is it that I am losing, what is it that I am not getting. So, in fact, honesty becomes an obligatory duty, not something done will, willingly, but something that is done little hesitantly or reluctantly. So, when there is reluctant in that, reluctance in that honesty, reluctance in following the values, reluctance in performing duty, I perform duty all right. Oh, duty towards my parents and my elder brother and younger brother and these Swami, I've been doing it for the whole of my life. <laughs> but while doing it, I did not do it happily. I did it because I was required to do it or I was obliged to do it and I, 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 I somehow could not get away from it. But while doing it, all the time, there was a resentment in my mind. Similarly, in honesty, in performing duty, there is some resentment inside because it... As I said, I have to give up something. Some comfort I have to give up, some benefit I have to give up, the resentment builds up. And that's what causes a lot of reaction. That is what makes me compare myself with that fellow. He got away with it. And I could not get because inside, I did not enjoy being honest. I did not enjoy performing the duty. I did it only reluctantly. Or as an obligatory duty with certain amount of resentment. So, in fact, this duty, etc., is a very demanding thing. Duty means what? Swamiji, my younger brother has come, now I have to do all this for him. This sister has come. In India, duty towards millions of people, you know. <laughs> so, endless thing. Swami, is there a time when this duty comes to an end? I said, never. Not until you depart from here. <laughs> you are cremated. That's when perhaps the duty now will come to an end. Some other duties are waiting for you, you know. And then this duty is a big burden. Because I want, you know, I want to take it easy. I also want Swamiji. I, I, I also need time for myself and so forth. And so, performing duty always involves a certain amount of self-denial. So, that is why the reactions come. If you perform the duty willingly, if I'm honest, willing, I won't worry about what somebody got or what I did not get because very doing itself is, is, is a pleasure. So Lord Krishna desires that we enjoy the work and not worry about the, not, let, we not postpone our enjoyment or happiness for the karma phala. And so giving karma phala to Lord means that performing actions with honesty, performing actions in the spirit of beauty, performing actions diligently and accepting the result as prasad of the Lord. <coughs> So this is what is meant by surrendering the karma phala. He doesn't want the karma phala because he has everything, but he wants only that uh, the, the kind of selfishness that we have, the kind of resentment, reluctance that we have, he wants us to be, to, to perform the actions without any reservations and follow the basic values of life. Right? So this is called sarva karma phala kyagam. Because that is also purifying. Performing action honestly is purifying. Performing action in the spirit of duty is purifying. Accepting the result as they come uh, without any resentment is also purifying. It all involves surrender to God in one form or the other.
when I perform actions in the spirit of duty or honestly, I am surrendering my will to the order because that is called an action, honest action or that is called an action based on duty which action is performed in keeping with the order. So thus while performing action, I make sure that the action is performed in keeping with the basic values like non-violence. So don't hurt the people. Fine, you have your, you have the right to achieve your goal, but in the process of achieving your goal, don't trample upon the rights of other people. Don't deprive them of their rights and freedom. Don't, don't progress at the cost of someone else. Swamiji, it's impossible to do that. Progress means somebody is going to suffer. That is how things are these days, that is how it is. But anyway, to the best of our ability, the problem is that, another problem that we have, is that not only do we want to be honest, then of course I have value for it. At the same time, I also have value for wealth. I want to be like other people also. I want to have the kind of cars that they have. I want to have the kind of house that they have. I want to have everything that they have. Plus I want to have this honesty also. Sometimes these things don't go together. And then I feel that, you see, by being honest, what did I get? Nothing, Swamiji. And you know, what did he get? And therefore, I feel that I was left out. And therefore, following the values of life will require me to give up my attachment to these material, material accomplishments. I accept them as they come. So, some tyaga, some renunciation is involved there. And so, all along, Lord Krishna is talking about renunciation of offering, surrender to Him. Sarva karma phala tyagam, at least all the karma phala, you surrender to Me. Yatatmavan, Yatatmavan means then one whose mind is disciplined, so that requires an alertness, requires a discipline, and make the offering of karma phala to Me. <coughs> Another thing also, I would like to mention here when we talk of karma phala, it will be interesting exercise, it will be an interesting exercise to watch our mind whenever we do something. Not only when I perform an action, not only that a certain purpose or a certain objective or certain goal is in my mind, which is quite alright. When I shoot an arrow, I shoot an arrow at a target. I should, should not shoot an arrow just in the air, it's quite alright. So I shoot an arrow, the target is there in my mind. And I decide whether I want to shoot the arrow or not, when I want to do, in what manner I want to do, all of that I have to decide. And certainly I shoot the arrow, keeping in mind the target. Thus, I take the responsibility of shooting, that is the responsibility of karma. And also the karma is performed, keeping in mind a certain goal, a certain objective or a target. That is fair. But along with that result of achieving something, in the material terms, that there is a physical component of my karma phala. I also have an emotional component there that I always am seeking some kind of a gratification also. That that karma phala, that result will give me gratification to my ego, it will boost up my ego in some way. Either I am seeking what we call sense gratification or I am seeking ego gratification. This everybody knows ego gratification. And of course everybody requires ego gratification, but not for the whole life. At least therefore, 
I am also seeking as a result of. So in the result, apart from the physical component of the result, I am also seeking what we call ego gratification. And this is what I can become aware of as to is what is it that my mind is doing. It is mind is very calculative. In a very stealthy or subtle way, it always calculates some kind of a, a personal benefit. Like this Mahatma used to tell a story that here is a devotee. Every morning he comes to this Mahatma. Then he used to bring his sandalwood paste. He would have a lot of and sandalwood paste with, uh, with saffron in there. All of that he would bring to perform the puja of this Mahatma. So in the morning he comes, a lot of sandalwood is there and he would request the Mahatma to stretch out his right foot on the toe, big toe, he will apply a lot of chandanam and all this puja is performed. Which is wonderful. Then you know what he would do? He would prostrate, fall flat at the feet. And he will make sure that his forehead touches that the, the, uh, the toe. And he will make sure that a large part of that thing, that sandalwood, which paste which applied there, gets on his, uh, on his forehead. Then he will do it properly and then, you know. And so there also, some kind of a calculation is always there as to what is in it for me. What kind of, what is it that I will get out of that. You know there is a proverb in Gujarati, you know, and these people in the villages, when some, somebody is, uh, some spirit, you know, sometimes they come into people, some ghost etc., you know, some spirit will enter. And then you call special people, you know. So they come with all kinds of drums and things like that, you know. And then they, and then they have this, uh, they also, they, the spirit will be then taken out into a, a coconut, you know. So he will ask you to bring a coconut among other things. And then he will just throw coconut like that, you know. He also does that. So he, I don't know what happens, you know. <laughs> and then he throws coconut someplace, in some direction. But you'll find consistently he throws coconut in the direction of his village, you know. So on his way back he'll pick it up. <laughs> so this is how in doing everything, our mind always has some kind of a calculation. What will I get out of that? And particularly always seeking gratification. Gratification of senses or gratification of emotions or gratification of ego. At this point most people are seeking gratification of ego. And as I said in any action that can be involved, even to talk of this action of uh, giving this talk, conducting this class, it's a wonderful thing to do. But then also, so when do I know that there was some expectation in my mind when a result will disappoint me, then understand that some expectation was there. If I am disappointed, then the class and uh, it didn't work out. I, uh, people didn't seem to respond. They were all dozing and they were all looking around. And I uh, suppose it happens. And often it happens. <laughs> <laughs> That means I expected something. I expected that 
they should all be looking at me, I should draw their attention, they should all be eager and then all should respond positively and then possibly smile and everything else. Then I feel that I'm doing all right. So you become the means of my ego, grat- ego gratification. Some kind of a desire for honor, some kind of a desire for recognition, some kind of a desire for respect. When somebody comes to Swami, oh, you spoke so well. I'm so happy now. <laughs> what does it show? It shows some expectation. And I may not even be aware that the expectation is there. It is there behind. How do I know of its presence? Well, the result shows me. The way I greet the result will show what was there at the time of performing action. The effect also is the nature of cause. Cause is sometimes not manifest. And I think that I'm all right, but then, as I said, the result will reveal what is involved in performing action. So then, observe this in your own life. How do we greet different situations? How do we greet the results of what we do? You know? And that will tell us what is there in our mind. And that's fine. There is a lot of, as I said, calculation in mind. Mind is always utilitarian, and it is always calculated. But we have to become free from that. That is called purification of mind. When the mind slowly and slowly becomes purified, becomes free from this begging, all the time I'm begging some gratification. That means that is the conclusion of my part that I have to seek happiness from there. That means I'm denying the happiness which is my own self. So every time I'm seeking gratification outside, there's a denial of myself. And therefore, this habit of the mind of seeking gratification, we have to know and slowly and slowly work with it. That is called karma falatyaga. I am not seeking gratification, I am performing action not with a view to get gratification, I am performing action because it is my pleasure to perform action. <coughs> so this is how, this is karma falatyaga, the renunciation of the result of the action, meaning the renunciation of a desire for gratification as a result of performing an action. Which means that I perform the action for the pleasure of performing the action. I perform the action because it is my privilege to perform the action. Action is performed without demand for any reward in terms of gratification. So that reward is given to the Lord. This is called karma phala tyaga. <coughs> Having said this, this topic is now concluded. Lord Krishna likes this karma phalatyaga. Some tyaga, some renunciation, some offering. Tyaga means some offering to the Lord. And thus in the twelfth verse, Lord Krishna praises this offering of karma phala. Says here, Shreyo Hijnanam Abhyasat Jnana Dhyanam Vishishyate Dhyana Karma Palatyagaha Tyaga Chantiranantaram Shreyohi Jnanam Abhyasat Abhyasat Jnanam Shreyaha Shreyaha better 
So abhyasa, jnanam, sreya, jnanam, knowledge, sreya is better than abhyasa, practice. Jnana, dhyanam, vishishyade, dhyanam, meditation is superior to vishishyade, superior to jnana, superior to knowledge. So knowledge is better than abhyasa and dhyanam, meditation is superior to knowledge. Dhyanat, karma, falatyagaha. But karma falatyaga, renunciation of results is even superior, even superior to dhyanam. Renunciation of result of action is superior even to meditation. Tyagat, shantihi, anantaram. Shantihi, that peace or tranquility immediately follows tyaga, immediately follows renunciation. <coughs> so first, Shreyohik jnanam abhyasat, abhyasat, superior, better than abhyasa is jnanam. Something mechanically, you are doing something without understanding what it is. So a lot of things we do, even the acts of worship also we do, a lot of things we do without even knowing what it means, what is involved in that. Because that's what we learn from our parents and then we keep on doing, that's why when our children ask, Mom, why are you doing this? I don't know, that's what my mom told me. Why don't you do it that way? I don't know. The child says, if you don't know, then I'm not going to do it. That's it. I never bothered to ask these questions of my father or mother. Whatever they told, I did. I, some kind of some kind of attitude we had, good, bad or indifferent, whatever it is. But not today's generation, not the Western generation, that will not accept. They must have logic for everything. Thank God they don't ask, Mom, why should I drink this candy? Why should I eat this candy? You explain to me what happens when I eat the candy, all the process, then I will eat it. That they don't question. Why should I drink milk? Oh, it's good for your health. To prove to me that milk is good for health. No. They ask these questions where they want to ask. They also don't ask questions in everything, you know. So whatever suits them, they do. Whatever does not suit them, they will want to know. It's also selective, you know, this questioning also. But anyway, all that mother can do is Look, my child, I did it and I benefited from it. Certain things have to be discovered by experience. In certain things, there is no logic. Even if there is logic, we don't know. What's the logic that I drink milk and my health, you know, that it reflects on my good health? I don't know how it happens. I don't know the processes that it goes through in my stomach. But I know that by drinking milk regularly, that I could maintain good health. Or by doing certain things, taking a walk every day, I could maintain good health. I may not know all the processes. Similarly also, by performing the worship. In this manner, I found a certain benefit. And so you do it. So it is not that you are even obliged to explain everything because everything can, doesn't necessarily have logical explanation. For example, if you, perf- if you say that you are performing a certain yaga, a certain, you know, so you perform this yaga, then you go to heaven. Now what is the connection between of making some offering to fire here and going to heaven? What is the connection? We don't know. 
There's no logical connection that we know. And still we do that because that's what the Vedas scriptures say. How do I know? Prove to me. Prove to me that by doing Gayatri Mantra that my, my mind will grow in a certain way and I'll, I'll be more intelligent, you know. Do it and find out. What is the connection between repeating some words and then, you know, powers of the mind? What's the connection? So there cannot be connection or cannot be proof of everything. Certain things have to be, have to be discovered by doing them. But you can tell your children, this is what I have discovered, this is what they tell, and that's what you do. <coughs> but anyway, abhyasa jnanam shreya the knowledge is better, understanding is better than merely doing things. That's what Lord Krishna says. So in the beginning, let there be abhyasa. In the beginning, just do it. Like children, it's not possible at a certain point in time for us even to understand why I'm doing it, but just do it. Just repeat Ram, 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 Ram. Why should I do that? Just do that. Ram, 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 Ram. That repeating has a certain effect on my mind. And someday there will be curiosity in my mind. Who is this Rama? Who is son of Dasharatha? He is son of Dasharatha. Then I would want to know, how, what did he do in his lifetime? Looks like he's not just a human being. Oh, he's an incarnation. Incarnation of whom? Incarnation of all Narayana. Who is Narayana? Oh, Narayana is a creator, he's a sustainer. What is that? He is a material cause, efficient cause. What does it mean? He is a substratum, he is a satyam, jagat is material. Like that, doing something, that abhyasa. In this case particularly, slowly and slowly creates the desire for knowledge. It may be the experience of many of you. Many people tell me, Swamiji, when we are small, every day we are repeating one chapter of Bhagavad Gita. And then, a desire occurred in my mind, I want to study, learn Bhagavad Gita, I want to study what these verses mean. So I read the translation, but I can't understand. So now, I'm so happy that the Gita classes are started. I was, I wanted it so badly. So repeating the verses of Bhagavad Gita may create a desire for knowing it. And someday, so the desire may be fulfilled. So abhyasa, doing something. Like, like every day performing, you know, Puja also, that also can be done as an act of worship, but not knowing what you are doing. So abhyasa here means practicing doing something repeatedly or doing something regularly, but merely at the level of doing without involving your understanding. So better than just doing is knowledge, is understanding what is involved in it, what for you are doing that. In short, abhyasa or a practice will give rise to jignasa, a desire to know. That's what it means. Jnana dhyanam vishishyade and suppose you know. So merely knowledge is not enough. Here when we say no means we mean paroksha jnana. See when we are talking about saguna brahma, when you are talking about God with attributes, then jnana means knowing that is omniscient, is omnipotent and you know whatever. And dhyana meaning the realization of that. So when it comes to Saguna Brahma or Brahman, God with attributes, it is not only enough to know that He is great and He is, he is just and He is order, it is not merely enough to know. 
but that must become a reality of my life. I should contemplate upon that. I should focus my mind and discover that as a fact in my life. So dhyanam means meditation, which results into a discovery. So first of all, I perform the activities because I am told to do. Secondly, I discover that there is an order. Or I understand that there is an order. And thirdly, I see that order in my life. In the beginning, my parents told me, Satyam Vada, you must speak truth. Perform your duties, dharmam chara. Do this and don't do that. Fine, I did it. I spoke truth. I tried not to hurt others. Let us say. I do that. That is called bhyasa. That's just doing. Then second stage is to know what is the value of these truths? What's the value of the values? And thirdly, then there must be assimilation of those values. I understand in theory the truth is good, it is beneficial, but then it must be assimilated. I must discover the benefit of that. Somebody says, Swamiji, I know that I must speak truth, but somehow I am not able to do that. Why? Because when it comes to money, when it comes to this benefit, then somehow I am not able to speak the truth. So, he only knows theoretically that truth is good, but he knows practically that money is good. And therefore, that practical thing always wins and that theoretical thing loses. In short, what I know or what I understand in my intellect should become a reality in my life. That is called dhyanam. Dhyanam means meditation, assimilation of that. Similarly also discovering to understand that everything is God. He is the self of all. He is manifest as the whole universe. There is called jnanam. There is an understanding. Dhyanam. To really meditate on that. How he is, how he is God of, uh, how he is the self of all. How there is an order. How there is justice. How there is goodness. To see that. You understand? To see that. To realize that in my life. That will be called dhyanam. Then it becomes the assimilated knowledge. Until then, it becomes only what we call obligatory knowledge or indirect knowledge. The jnanam here means indirect knowledge, dhyanam means a realization or discovering that as a fact in my life. So knowing Rama and then meditating upon Rama and realizing Rama, that will be called the result of dhyanam. <coughs> so first step is abhyasa, just doing something. Second step is jnanam, knowing. Third step is dhyanam, realizing. <coughs> so that is fine. And therefore everybody wants to do only dhyanam. They will always want to do the best. So everybody wants to only learn meditation. Except that meditation is, should be preceded by jnanam, knowledge. And that should be preceded by abhyasa, practice, that nobody wants. Because everybody wants to always start with the best. And everybody thinks that he is the best anyway. And therefore, I mean, why should he start from the, from the bottom? He will start from the, that which is the best means. So Lord Krishna knows that. Therefore, you know what he says in the second line? He says, Dhyanat karma palatyaga Better than dhyanam, better than meditation also, karma palatyaga renunciation of karma phala. Which was the last step. If you remember, First step was Mayyamanadhatsva. Give the mind and the intellect, so let the mind and the intellect be focused upon Lord. That is the best. 
If you cannot do that, abhyasa. Keep on repeating that in your mind. Make a practice of fixing it in me again and again, abhyasa. You cannot do that, all right, perform your actions all in service to me. You cannot do that, at least offer the karma phala. At least renounce the attachment to karma phala. So that was the fourth, the last in the ladder. Arjuna would not want to do that, that which is last in the ladder I won't do. I want to do that which is first in the ladder. So here Lord Krishna says, Dhyanat, Karma Falatya. Here Arjuna, Karma Falatyaga is superior even to Dhyanam. Which it can't be. In fact, Karma Falatyaga meaning renunciation of Karma Falatya is the first step. And Dhyanam is the last step. How can Lord Krishna say here that this first step, which is just renunciation of Karma Phala, that is accepting Karma Phala with Prasad Buddhi, accepting the situations as created by God, accepting the realities of life, without any resentment, without complaints, without frustration, accepting them because they are created by God, and accepting, hopefully accept them cheerfully. Prasad Buddhi, as is translated by Swami's word, cheerful acceptance. A tough job. Swami, how can I cheerfully accept this? You know what he has done to me? But cheerful accept. God does. Nobody does it. He did this. No. The, the Bhakta will say, God alone does. And he or she or somebody else becomes merely an instrument in the hands of God for that to happen. See, this is one way of resolving a lot of things in our life. Because as we grow also, very often we grow with a lot of complaints, a sense of injustice, we have been treated unfairly by my uncle did this and my this fellow did this and that fellow did this, my mother did that and my father did this and you know. So people have a lot of anger in them. And they blame a lot of people for that. Because that has been their experience. But here we would say that if you have to go through all that pain in the process of your upbringing, that is because of the prarabdha. And you have to suffer the pain anyway. So somebody has to cause that pain, otherwise how will you suffer the pain? So they just became instrumental in causing the pain. They did not do that. They were made to do that. Ultimately, who does it? It all comes from where? It comes from up there. Pain also comes from there. Nature also comes from there. This is true. It is like this, that one day a postman came to my home and gave me one thousand rupees. I was so happy, I said, hey, come, postman, have a cup of coffee and gift and so forth. Postman says, what is this? You know, I said, hey, you're giving me thousand rupees. Says, no, no, Swami, I, I'm not giving you. Somebody sent, this is a money order. Somebody has sent, I'm just a messenger. So if he gives me thousand rupees, doesn't mean that I give him gift or something. And suppose he brings a letter which says, do not open, you know, whatever. Or open in the bathroom, they say, in the sense that it carries the news of somebody's death. And so you, are, you must take a bath. And so the provision is that, even there's ashuha, they will say always, you know, not auspicious. So that, you know that, after reading that letter, you will be required to take a bath. And so you change your clothes and do whatever is required to do, and then read the letter. Then I don't blame the postman that you are bringing this, you know, you have created this. Again, they are also just a messenger. Similarly also, if my father did something to me, which I feel was unjust and causing pain, he is a messenger. If my mother did something to me, messenger. My neighbor did something to me, messenger. My boss did something to me, messenger. 
in, in ultimate who does it? It's he who does it. Swamiji, my son, my daughter, my this, my all are messengers. Because we have to go through certain things. But why me? You know? Why not you? That's another question. Why not? No, this is also question. Why me? I am not saying you. Why not I? You know? That also I can ask. But after all, pain, you see, as long as we do not know other people's life, so long it appears to me, why me? Really? And perhaps you know less about life than I know. You know, because after becoming Swami, you know much more about life than what you know otherwise. I often feel that before I became a Swami, I was much more renunciated. Renunciated means uninvolved, you know. But there is a lot of pain. And that is how life has been made by God. I don't know why. I, I think I should know why, but then, generally speaking, why? That's the only tool that God has for us to grow. And so pain is given so that we grow, provided we take it in a proper way. Pain is like fire. If fire can purify us and fire can burn also, depends on how we handle that fire. So again we give him benefit of doubt. That he is my mother. So pain also when he gives, there must be reason. The child doesn't appreciate that. Child is, is, is sick and so mother wants to give him the medicine. And the Ayurvedic medicine. Very bitter medicine. And child knows the time of medicine. Mother is reaching out for that bottle and she's going to give him the medicine. You think he's going to be around? He sees and he, he runs away. So mother thinks it is important for this fellow to take medication and therefore she chases him, catches hold of him. He's not old enough yet, you know. <laughs> so therefore she can catch hold of him. After a certain time you cannot. And then, and you say, come on, take your medicine. He doesn't cooperate. If he doesn't cooperate, then mother will make sure that he takes his medicine anyway. You hold his legs and hold his hand and do everything else. Doesn't cooperate, press his nose, open, mouth opens. Mom, you are cruel. I hate you. So when child feels that the mother is cruel, perhaps she is cruel to be kind. So sometimes you will be cruel in order to be kind. <coughs> Maybe God is becoming cruel in order to be kind. It sounds possible. This teaching is not possible for a person who wants material, I mean, you, whose agenda is this material growth. All kinds of conflict will be there. The teaching can only work for the person for whom the spiritual growth is agenda. And the spiritual growth always involves giving up the material things. The gross must be given up for the sake of subtle. That's a simple rule. And if I'm willing to do that, fine. That's called vairagya. Vairagya is dropping, giving up, or growing out. So there's this whole tendency to drop. That's called tyaga. The things to accept the situations as created by God. And they were not reacting to them with resentment because I have, I have trust there that there is some justice there, there is some purpose that whatever it does is in my, for my well-being. I may not understand that, but I am sure it is so. And thus in all humility and in all spirit of devotion and surrender, I accept it. That is called karma falatyagaha. Even this attitude towards events of the life is a very important attitude. That's how we begin. And only when this is there, the other things will come. Then I'll be able to offer him karma, then I'll be able to offer him the abhyasa, then I'll be able to offer him my mind and my intellect and my ego and everything. When I start here, 
therefore lord krishna says dhyanat karma phalatyaga hai the renunciation of the result of the action is even superior to dhyanam is superior even to meditation not really but because meditation is not possible unless the spirit of pratyaga is there tyaga shanti anantaram anantaram immediately shanti of the peace of the mind immediately follows tyaga or renunciation renunciation is equal to peace renunciation is equal to the peace of mind so understand whenever my mind is in conflict whenever my mind is not peaceful it means that i'm holding on to something it it, it it's, it's just a uh, it was in time tell me something that there is a need to give up something whenever i find that i'm not happy it means that i'm holding on to something which requires to be dropped that's all this is simple rule when i drop that i'm happy holding on to something swami ji my brother makes me happy my son makes me happy my sister makes me happy my aunt makes me happy that means i'm holding on to not give them up means not don't just you know giving up doesn't mean that i i become indifferent to them giving up is giving up the attachment is attached holding on to something some kind of expectation i have of them some kind of demand i have of them and so drop some demand when am i unhappy when some demand is not fulfilled some expectation is not fulfilled so unhappiness also is given to us by god to draw our attention that i am holding on to something which is not i perhaps is not good for me so give it up so tyaga renunciation dropping dropping demands expectation for me but that expectation will be there you know don't you expect this from your children don't you expect this from your parents don't you expect this from this my god doesn't want you to expect them i guess that is why if he if you if your expectation is fulfilled fine it seems it is in conformity with the god you know but expectation is not fulfilled means it doesn't want you to have them give them up not easy all this is nicely said not easy i appreciate that but as i said there is no gain without pain there is no growth unless we are willing to drop things give up things and that is painful because for me that is very painful that i should not expect this from my child very painful but when i give it up then there is a relief every renunciation every dropping every giving up creates a relief creates freedom tyagat shanti anantaram so shanti means freedom shanti means freedom from conflict so this is a very beautiful sutra tyagat shanti anantaram whenever my mind is ashanta whenever my mind is unhappy whenever it is in conflict i must know what is it i am holding on to can i give it up so lord is teaching through experience of unhappiness also he is teaching us how to grow that is why pain is kept in life with happiness we cannot grow really happiness is the uh, is also required for us to get encouragement now and then otherwise we'll get discouraged so lord also gives now and then a candies okay so that at least my hope is you know that i some motive there is some motivation for me to continue basically it is all pain life is nothing but pain <clears throat> everybody feels that they only have pain you know and i said but then this is a general rule 
life involves pain. Some people are more lucky, some people are less lucky, whatever it is. The pain among, you know, quantum may vary, but pain is always involved. And particularly when I am determined to grow, then I will see how I am all the time there is a demand on me to keep dropping, keep giving up, keep giving demands, expectations, attachments. That's how we discover freedom and inner freedom. Tyagat Shantihanantram from Tyagat. Renunciation comes freedom, comes the, the tranquility of the mind. And thus, in these twelve verses, except for those two verses in between, Lord Krishna has described what we call Saguna Bhakti. Saguna, the worship of the Lord with attributes. Now, the last eight verses, very beautiful verses here, Lord Krishna describes the characteristics of a bhakta of a devotee. So, nivasishyasi mayeva, mayeva manadhatsva, mayi buddhim nivesha, nivasishyasi mayeva. Let your mind be centered on me, let your intellect be centered on me, and you will enter into me. You become one with me. So, how is that devotee who has become one with God? So, that devotee's characteristics are now being described in his subsequent verses. <coughs> so, we will take it up in our next class. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamagachade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamivarashishade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankarachayam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashakritavande Bhagavandau Manapuna Ishvaro Gurvatnevi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vajyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtayena Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru